1: Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Back with us and incredibly disappointed in me right now is Brandon Karam. We are a belly up sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Before I let Brandon have a chance to chime in, I need to defend myself on the way that show started. Whether I remember to fix it before we go into this is going to be one thing. It used to be... Brandon's been having some trouble post-uploading, so I've been uploading. However, I've been uploading from Zooms he creates. Every time he creates a Zoom, I have to press record, and then I have to press a a second button that's basically start recording within that menu. Mm. So I was preparing myself for that. So as I'm counting down, I press it in order to be ready to just press it right when it hits one. Apparently, there's no button for me, No news. Uh, Brendan, how are you doing? How is college? College life?
2: Fantastic. Classes start tomorrow. Um yeah, big chilling out here in Syracuse. Next Saturday we play Louisville. Um at nighttime. Really cool to have our first game, especially as a poverty co- college football school, um, to be in prime time at home. So we are amped about that.
1: On that note, I saw something interesting from your president the other day trying to make his push for – does the Orange have a name? I forget. the Orange? What?
2: Otto. Otto. Yes,
1: Otto, thank you. Um, pushing for Otto to get into the Mascot Hall of Fame. Your thoughts. Is, is he ready? Has he built up the yeah. resume?
2: Easily. He's been around for a long time. He's got the street cred. Funny story about Otto. Um, so the people that are in the Otto costume.
1: What people they... in Otto costume?
2: <laughs> <laughs> they're not allowed to tell anybody, like literally anybody that that's what they're doing. So you genuinely, like a lot of people have no idea who, like what students, cause so it's always a student that does it what student it actually is until the last basketball home game of the year, Senior Day, where then all the autos come out and, and they reveal their names of like, who is was Otto.
1: That's fascinating. That's cool. You see, the lasers don't do that. Instead, I had to write a story. I'm sure Brandon's seen it at this point because I talked about it quite a bit um, about our dear mascot, Boomer, as he was coming back to sporting events for the first time this year, except no one knew directly who it was and i had to interview the mascot as the mascot so i had to i spent a good week hunting down who on who of the 1600 people on campus we actually know it's probably around 1400 people on campus actually was boomer not as hard as you'd think but still a challenge nonetheless it's just interesting no disrespect meant to Otto. love Otto. oh boy I feel like there could have been multiple costume improvements that have, could have been made over the years to at least make him a consistent shape. He gets a little lumpy at times. That's only my, that's my only commentary.
2: Every orange
1: is, is a, is a perfect sphere now? Not every orange is a perfect sphere, but it just, I don't know, something very much looks asymmetrical about Otto sometimes, and it makes me uncomfortable but maybe i'm a okay cat. you know what? what is it i'm a cat aren't i like um isn't that what you do you put oranges or something around your trees Christmas okay, trees so you okay. Don't go... i don't know i'm just saying i'm curious i don't know all i know is i am getting myself a membership so i get triple votes this year for the mascot hall of fame and uh he will definitely be in consideration for me i just think there's such a wide variety of mascots to be explored it's crazy
2: well we have baseball to talk about i'm back let's talk about the one story that pretty much has been dominating the mlb news cycle over the last few days and that is also wait before i say this pretty consistently every time i go back to school either on the day i move in or like the day before I move in, some, like, huge MLB news comes out. Um, Trevor, ba- when I was moving in for second semester of fr- freshman year, Trevor Bauer signed with the Dodgers. Like, literally while I was in the elevator, I got the Jeff Passon alert. Uh, um, Now we have the Julio Rodriguez extension, which, all right, trying to break this down into actual numbers and, like, wh- what it is, I struggled twice and
1: got it wrong, so go ahead.
2: (laughs) I'm going to try my best. It I'm just going to literally read what MLB Trade Rumor says, so that way I can't even influence this myself. So the deal begins this season, guarantees him $210 million over 12 years, and contains both player and club options that can extend the length of the contract's and push the total value as high as $470 million. He also has a full no trade clause. This is, as this says, one of the more complex contracts agreed to in Major League history. He'll make $120 million through 2029. That takes the form of a $15 million signing bonus to be paid up front with 105 million to be distributed between 2023 and 2029. After the seventh year of the contract, the Mariners need to decide, this says they must decide whether to effectively re-extend him for either eight or 10 years. And the size and value of that long-term club option is all dependent on how he finishes an mvp voting here is those mvp voting caveats so at minimum seattle will be deciding on whether to extend the contract by eight years in another 200 million dollars that could escalate as follows that i'm literally this is insane 240 million over eight years with two or three top 10 mvp finishes 260 million over eight years with four top 10 finishes. 280 million over eight years if he wins an MVP award and finishes in the top five once more or finishes in the top five of MVP balloting on three occasions. 350 million over 10 years if he wins two MVP awards or finishes top five in balloting on four occasions. In that event that he either wins two MVPs or finishes top five in four separate times, the contract would max out the Mariners exercise the option, 18 years, $470 million. Now, that's all that just happens if they do exercise the option. I will now give it to LJ for his thoughts, and then we will go into what will happen if they don't. Exercise that multi year option after year seven.
1: All right. Well, I'll start with what I finished with last night, which is this is still a massive risk, no matter what the numbers are, purely by the amount of years. For every Ronald Acuna, you're going to have a. What?
2: Sorry. Uh, but he's on a proven career as someone in our fantasy football group. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: He's not, not only is he on a proving career, But for every Ronald Acuna contract, there's a Fernando Tatis contract. For every Ozzy Albies contract, there's a Wander Franco contract. You know, these are the deals that are very much in suspect at this point of these early buyout your arbitration years deals. You know, a lot can go wrong with this. And especially when we get into the if they decline the option scenario there's even more um scenario where it's suspect in terms of the total money you know you're certainly getting you're getting your deal this is about 15 million a year per year and that will make it through his arbitration years about 45 million dollars which means that the team is saving about 15 million dollars off of what he could have gotten i think in arbitration somebody else said it first i don't remember who it was but I think Mookie Betts is a decent comp for Julio Rodriguez at this point. You know, you look at skill set, they're not exactly the same, but it's it's close enough. He got 57 million. I so, would
2: say that Julio has a little more pop and Betts has that better bat to ball skills, like, but same type of build for a player for sure. In
1: long term, I think they're both gonna be like I think Julio Rodriguez has a chance to get to his defensive consistency. That's really the only negative I'm going to put on Julio's game right now is he very much looks like he's 20 years old at this point in his defensive career. A lot of just when he makes mistakes, he makes them bad. But either way, you know, they're saving money throughout the rest of this all the way through. The big thing for me with the rest of the extension past the team option the fact that you put this to MVP finishes is just amazingly smart to me because you're not asking him to perform for him. You're asking him to perform for the team. You know, the MVP brings into a, in a lot of things into account. It doesn't just bring into your own performance. It doesn't just bring in your own performance relative to your team. It brings your performance relative to your, to your team Relative to other players' performances relative to their team. And, you know, what that really makes it is he has to show that he has the talent and the skill to be able to push Seattle to that next level, to be able to elevate them farther than he previously could have or they previously could have gotten. And with that also comes staying on the field and staying a positive influence within the team. That's all big, big parts about doing that. So, you know, as much as it seems a little crazy to have all of these uh, MVP things in here, and before, Brandon, you can uh, put your guess in uh, next time or, or when you speak, But I guess if I had to put my money on it, he he hits the 280 mark. I think he hits the 280 mark for that extension. So you
2: think he will win an MVP and finish in the top five one more time other than that, or finish top five three separate times?
1: I think it's very realistic, mostly based around the fact that, you know, if, if we want to look at this comp, I would say Julio Rodriguez is, theoretically, and I don't know why this has become the basis for my logic here, but I feel like it's a good jumping off. He's performing at a better level a year earlier than Mookie Betts did when he first came up, his first year in the Bix. So if you look at that, by year two, Mookie was getting MVP votes, and he was top 10 for six straight years going on after that. Three, an MVP in there, and three top five finishes, or two, yeah, three top five finishes and a sixth finish. I think he's very much in play, you know. Even I think it leaves room for a sophomore slump in there, even too for Julio Rodriguez to be in there. I think you know if you, as long as he builds out, I think the 280 is very realistic. Past that, I don't think so. Like the two MVPs and all of that, you know that 350 number is just I think a little too unreachable. But it's it's certainly something to shoot for.
2: I'm going to say right now that I think if he somehow does hit that 350 over 10 years, the Mariners aren't picking up that option. They're not exercising that. Oh, uh, no, actually, no. Because that'd be 35 mil AAV, and you figure. that's Yeah, that's still underpriced. The inflation, because there's going to be, because these, these contracts are only going to get bigger because of the luxury tax threshold going up. For the next like five or six years. But all right, if the Mariners, so everything that I just talked about is if the Mariners exercise their option and what the contract would be, that's if they exercise their option. If they don't exercise their multi year option after year seven, Julio has a five year, $90 million player option that he can exercise after year eight. So the Mariners have to choose after year seven. Julio is locked in for those first eight years. He can choose that five-year, $90 million player option after the eighth year of his contract. However, this option value can escalate as high as $125.5 million based on his finishes in Silver Slugger voting And all-star appearances. Wow, that is quite, I cannot believe that they would put all-star appearances in there. That's a Mickey Mouse thing. Good for Julio for getting that in there. Um, The $90 million figure is considered guaranteed money, as, as all player options are. His guarantee for the whole deal is $210 million. Of course, there is there is a scenario where the Mariners don't pick up their 8- to 10-year club option. And Julio can also decline that player option, which would mean he would have an 8-year, $120 million contract and then become a free agent heading into his age 30 season. That's the shortest he can stay is 8 years. The longest he can stay is 18 years. So you have between 8 and 18 years here. Um, of Julio Rodriguez potentially locked up depending on, you know, all, all of that other stuff.
1: You know, yeah, ultimately with all of this, Julio is in the driver's seat, right? He yeah. controls how much he makes on the team option. He controls whether he stays if he, he uh, outprices the team on that team option, which I don't think he can, but Either way, he still makes great money no matter what. And if he ends up being a bust, let's just assume he hits. If he does not hit here, like if he ends up being a bust based on this contract, he still does have that security of the $90 million. You know, He's not going to be out in the cold alone making league minimum after this extension is over and everybody forgets about him. No, he's going to have at least that security there. But the other thing here... You know, it's not, it is nice for Seattle because not only do they save money, but more so, you know, they've put the onus on him at this point, go out and prove it, go out and earn this money. They can sit back and just reap the rewards at this point. They don't have to worry about, you know, yes, they got to keep him happy, but they don't have to keep him that happy. You don't have to uh, kowtow to everything just to make sure he stays. You don't have to worry about throwing a ton of, a ton more money at him four years down the line. You can just sit back and reap those rewards. The biggest reward of all, I think, though, is the fact that you know you have him there for up to 18 years. If he hits, assuming he is a hit, which so far, again, are we all that concerned, barring injury, that he's going to end up flatlining here with his career? No. You look it, at that it, athleticism. It,
2: his offensive talent is just is too good. It's, it's,
1: so, it's
0: just good
1: we're going to assume he's going to be at minute at the very minimum fringe all star, like on his bad year for the next 10 years. Let's just toss that up there. You know, you're going to have that star. That star is going to be able to attract people, especially if you know, he's going to be staying. He has the no trade clause. He has the contract length. La- they have the contract length, I should say. So you can go into these stuff as a Red Sox fan. I'm darn scared because the talk the entire way through, basically since this early this summer has been, you know, partially a joke because it's too early to really talk about that. But honestly, the best the best fit for Raphael Devers is Seattle. If they want to dole out that money to bring in bring in another star to make this a contender. if they want if they were truly interested in a guy like Chris Bryant, they're one hundred percent going to be interested in Raphael Devers if he hits the market next after next summer. And so, If you're Devers, you're on the open market, this team can walk up to you and say, not only are we a playoff team right now, but we are going to be able to show you and guarantee you that your running mate, your co-star is going to be here definitively for basically the rest of his career. That's a huge plus for anyone wanting to sign. Not only are they showing commitment to their players, but they're showing they're going to have quality players on this roster for a very long time. They're not going to be breaking that band up.
2: LJ, you wanna know what I just realized. You remember way, way back when we had first started the show, it was before even um the games had started last year. The Mariner's CEO and president got fired or he Oh,
1: at the t- um Kowtow Town and Country uh bread and breakfast, be- fr- bread and breakfast bed and breakfast uh country jamboree, rotary club jamboree.
2: Um whatever that was where they would somehow got all this inside knowledge on the Mariners, this GM or this, sorry, not GM president and CEO of the Mariners at the time was talking about how Julio Rodriguez, you know, you won't be seeing him till next year. He was basically admitting the service time manipulation, talking about how Julio Rodriguez doesn't have, or how he doesn't speak the best English um, and how they have to pay a translator like $75,000 a year um, to to translate for them. And it's just like, dude, you were going on and on basically bragging to these people about, oh, we have this great prospect in Julio Rodriguez, we're, he's, but you aren't going to see him till next year admitting the service time manipulation and now all of a sudden everyone is just you know g- feeling great and to uh, see a player at least be able to avoid that service time manipulation and um you know it's just it ends up working out great for for really this could work this could be one of the best contracts in Mariners history should he play good. Like you said, it's all on Julio now, right? Like if he's a superstar, there's the, the Mariners have nothing to be concerned about. Who cares how much we have to pay him? We have him forever. We have him for his whole career potentially. So, you know what I I mean? it's.
1: With that being said, even though our MLB daily uh, polls don't count, he is 100% my MVP frontrunner now just because I want to help him get that money. Okay. Um, um, no. Uh, yeah, you're right. And it's interesting. Question,
2: though. Sorry. Uh, Adley Rutschman still or Julio now for rookie oh, of the Oh,
1: contract money doesn't change. No, no, no. I know. To me.
2: As of right now. As of right now, who are you on?
1: Uh, Still on Julio.
2: Still on Julio. Okay
1: it's still on julio but then then the question also comes up and you know i did get a little torn here maybe it's just me being um lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky
2: lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office
1: I saw somebody going through their all rookie team. And I think we, that's something that we will definitely do something like that yeah, when like, we get into October and we have a ton of time on our hands. Um, we still have
2: to do three more divisions, by the way. Um,
1: we still have to do our whole hall of fame.
2: Oh, oh, oh baby. Well, thank that's, God a, that's, a, that's,
1: a, that's a September project. Um,
2: yeah, because since the regular season goes into October quite a bit this year, we're just going to be vibing just doing doing that.
1: We can have we can have so much fun with this show. Honestly, we we do have some fun with the show, but anyway, I saw somebody going through and doing their early all rookie team, and it brought up the very fair point of Julio Rodriguez might be the AL MVP. Is he making your all rookie team is actually the the better question
2: he's better than mike if you're asking me is he better than michael harris yes
1: i am asking you has he performed better than michael harris not on talent Yes. is he more? is julio rodriguez with his 132 ops plus and 6.5 war per 162 that's with 21 home runs and 23 stolen bases is that better than Mike Harris's 129 OPS plus with 7 war over 162. That's all with 13 home runs and 15 stolen bases. They're such similar players at this point. It's, I don't know, it feels like a tough call for me. Especially when you see the plus-plus defense that Michael Harris is giving you.
2: I mean, this might be crazy, LJ, but... In my, in my all rookie team right now, my outfield is going to be Julio Rodriguez, Michael Harris, and Stephen Kwan. And that's very Steven fair. Kwan yeah. Stephen Kwan's a guy we haven't talked about really since like the opening weekend. Dude is a legit contact hitter, but actually has a good way to run to create a plus. Hey, IKF, this is what you need to be doing. This is why we signed you, to walk, to actually do something productive other than slam the ball into the ground every single time.
1: But, you know, and honestly, we can certainly debate whether we want to make our eligibility with just general outfield spots, left field, right field, center field. That all plays into who gets onto this list. One thing we know for sure, honestly, I'd say it's more guarantee than any other player on this list. Garrett Stubbs is making it as the catcher. MVP front runner, MVP King, Garrett Stubbs, best backup catcher about in the about it,
2: yeah. Um, well LJ, did did we hit everything on Julio you wanted to talk about?
1: Yeah, I think I I I've hit it and and more. All
2: right. Honestly, let's do just two more topics, LJ. Um, and then we'll just Kind of reset everything for. Okay, that but one. I
1: want the I want the second one at least, or the last one at least. So maybe we have to do three. Let's do
2: the next one, so the the second one on the list, and then the last one. You can you can finish up with that last one because I know that you'll love that to end the show. So, all right, we're talking about another contract extension, but less about like the actual contract and more about um just the team and this this deal in general the rays announced they have extended tyler glass now through the 2024 season uh 5.35 million in 2023 that's his final arbitration eligible season so just buying that out and then a big jump to 25 million in 2024 there is a few bonuses that are dependent on how he finishes in the Cy Young balloting over the next two years. But the the big story here, the lead is that Tampa Bay just went out and spent, I think this is their biggest contract for a single year ever. Um yet yeah, the, they have never previously paid a player a $25 million annual salary. Um Wander Franco will hit that in 2028, but um you know it's i'm so happy that the rays not only realize they have something in tyler glass now but that they're willing to at least spend a little bit i mean they traded away blake snell because they didn't really like that contract and um that was a fairly cheap contract tyler glass now's been your guy of course hasn't pitched yet this year um Still rehabbing from that Tommy John he had last August. Um, but you he's gonna be locked in for the next two years. And if you're telling me you're you're paying Tyler Glass now 30 million over the over the next two years, and where we've seen so many guys come back from Tommy John and be good, where he has a legit chance to, you know, win a Cy Young or be up there in the voting, and you pair him with Shane Shane McClanahan, who Quite honestly, now with Justin Verlander leaving today's game, could win Cy Young. Um, the Rays really got something going here. Um, LJ, and I only say that if Verlander's out for the rest of the year, then then McClanahan will win.
1: Are we 100% on that? I feel like, again, once you get towards 150, I think it's all fair game. What... What is his innings number anyways at this point? 147. Okay, actually, he's in decent play. I didn't realize they've been actually letting him
2: Oh, go. yeah, he's – oh, he goes, LJ. Shane McClanahan is been on fire. But, no, I mean, LJ, talk me through, you know, the Rays actually wanting to spend some money here.
1: Let me tell you the secret here. The Rays have been wanting to spend money. And they have been since 2020.
2: Their eighty-five million-dollar payroll this year speaks otherwise.
1: Yeah, but who cares about payroll number? What matters is going out and actually paying the guys you have to and you need to pay. Obviously, this team knows darn well at this point that they can turn churn out superstar relievers at will. It's not worth investing ten million dollars, eight million dollars into those guys, so they're never going to do that. They're not going to go out and spend on mediocre position players but they'll spend on the superstar they'll go out and give Wander franco that made that massive contract that again also works out very well for them they'll go out and be very competitive you know i'm not going to say that they're going to they're not going to be the dodgers they're not going to be the yankees in terms of purchasing power but they are willing now to invest the numbers that they do have into this roster the right spots and that's what this proves i've very quickly gone off the whole talk about the blake snell trade being a salary dump thing because time is fully telling they got that right and i don't care what they got back in return i don't care about any of that what i look at with this is the fact this is a guy who has a career 421 era in San Diego, a guy who has not pitched 200 innings or barely pitched 200 innings over the last two years, and a guy who no still one
2: goes 100 innings. Oh, you said combined. Okay. I thought you were saying just like in general. I was going to say, because like no one goes 200 innings. Anymore. No, no, no. I'm I saying,
1: I'm saying combined. It, 128 last year and 87 this year. And a large part of that, especially seeing 27 starts, 128 innings. This guy still can't go more than twice through the order. Ultimately, with Blake Snell, had a great start to his career, but you cannot deny the fact that the Tommy John killed him. And it's going to do that to some guys. Not everyone's going to come back the same from a major surgery like that as the next guy. They got out of this when they could. You know, you got you get that excellent World Series run out of them and your, his value is probably not going to be higher for them. They see the opportunity to get out of that money and to be able to reinvest it into other places. Reinvest it into, honestly, that was probably the $10 million that they saved on that. That could be close to what they spent with their tree deadline ac- acquisitions, acquisitions prorated last year. Nelson Cruz was making a decent bag from uh, Minnesota. It certainly wasn't the 15 a year he's getting right now. He was getting, he was getting 13. You know, so you're talking four or five there. You're talking a couple million here and there for the other guys. I think they've they reinvested that 10 million dollars probably better than having Blake Snell on that roster. That's really more what that one comes down to. They're picking and choosing their spots, and so far they have picked them very very well.
2: And uh, I can. I can definitely agree with that um but is it time that we talk about lj finish off the show let me know here we go because lj i I, you know i'm not even gonna spoil anything you tell me what happened today and i'm just gonna sit back and relax i'm not saying anything else you can just take the show from here
1: um, actually, I'm not going to take the show from here because I'm really starting to feel bad about actually doing this because I'm starting to sound like a broken record here. So I'm going to do this quick and then maybe we can touch on Verlander a little bit more as we brought him up. But the Toronto Blue Jays just lost at home with all of their glorious home field advantage to the Los Angeles Angels of all teams, a team that's almost 20 games under 500 right now, 8-3. to Uh, who was it? Ross Stripling was on the mound, Aaron Simber was on the mound. Both of them got absolutely clocked around, particularly by Trout and Otani here in the uh, seventh, in the ninth. They both go yard. This is part of those were both part of a four home run game for the Angels that they just absolutely dominated from top to bottom. Further proving again their home record just shows such a lack of you know actual accomplishment because this is one of the few teams that's coming from a place where basically everyone has to be vaccinated because LA has and California has been just so hard ass about forcing away I'm not gonna get into that but uh, vaccination stuff odds are that entire team's vaccinated. I'm almost willing to bet based on where they're from. So you you bring in a mediocre Angels team to Toronto fully vaxxed and they're still able to pull out games here and they're still to able to pull out a big win, but I've talked plenty about that. All of this stuff in this blue Jays team. I've certainly provided plenty of hate, especially when you consider two nothing last night and I hadn't checked 12 nothing on the 26th. This has been a rough, rough weekend. I cannot wait for tomorrow very excited one might call me giddy oh power rankings
2: lj is gonna put the blue jays at like 20 or something i mean the
1: angels did just sweep them theoretically by like what is that transitive property yeah they should be at least 20 to be below the angels
2: well a team that's certainly not below the angels is the astros and um looks like justin verlander had to get pulled from the start today. Do we know exactly they're saying calf discomfort? They're okay. saying
1: calf discomfort, yes.
2: His shortest outing and lowest pitch count of the season, three innings, 60 pitches. Um, they said it might just be discomfort. Um, there's no strain, apparently. Um, yeah, no, uh, burlander's been so freaking good this year and it's almost like lj told us all with it when he put him in the top 10 for starting pitchers you probably wish you put him way higher now too because i remember you were saying you wanted to put him higher
1: i did you know and i stand by where i put him because it's such a risk and he was such at such a precarious point in his career coming back from that injury at his age but he's earned it all here What will probably happen here, I would guess, this will be a 10-day IL stint. Let's not make a mistake about that. Even if it is nothing, it makes too much sense here. The Angels have this, or the Angels, i am turn around.
2: In their dreams, the Angels
1: have this. In in their dreams, the Angels have it. The Astros have this division locked up. You know, this is a good Mariners team that's 11 and a half games back. They're certainly not touching them with almost a month left to the season, I think you're best off giving him the 10-day IL stint because it hurts absolutely no one. First off, even if he was out the season with a calf issue, just a nagging calf strain or whatever, that doesn't hurt Justin Verlander's understanding, except with maybe he misses out on that Cy Young, maybe. Past that, you know, he's still going to get the money because that's not a a calf strain any muscle injury like that that's not something that someone's going to be necessarily worried about going into free agency that he's going to oh he's injury prone oh he's not he's fragile now since of since the injury it has nothing to do with any prior injuries and it's something he will be able to come back full strength from so that wouldn't be something you worry about more likely than not though it'll be 10 days and he'll get to not only will he get to rest but he'll still be plenty in line to win the Cy Young this year plenty in line to have a good September. September run and he'll if anything just be more rested by missing um you know leave him out for two starts. Pull two, pull him for two starts. He's gonna end up being more rested and still in the same position that he was before.
2: LJ, can I finish off the show with I want to talk about a guy that we we hundred percent haven't talked about this year, but um definitely wanna give him a little love. Why right, of course uh james karen lj uh
1: yes I, i've been waiting for you to bring him up
2: you know widely forgotten because overshadowed by emmanuel class but this dude was like the cool nasty r- reliever on the guardians before emmanuel class injuries have certainly derailed karen however comes back debuts july 4th Doesn't pitch entirely well. Gives up two hits, a run. He does strike out all three batters, all three outs. His second outing, an inning, a hit, two earned runs, and a walk. So you're thinking, like, damn, like, he's kind of off to a rough start. Since those first two, if you throw those first two outings that he's had away, in the 18 games that he's pitched since then, 20 innings pitched, Seven hits, no runs, 37 strikeouts, and 20 innings pitched. And this is with, can I see win probability added on here? He's almost won his team a full game just by pitching 20 innings in the last like month and a half. Just one reliever, 0.83 wins probability added. He's stepping up in games where the guardians absolutely need him to be good they're 13 and 5 when he pitches lj i mean to have karen check and then class a is your closer i mean class a is throwing that slider it's 96 miles an hour it's got 14 inches of break i i don't know what took me so long to buy into this guardians team but they are just so freaking good tristan mckenzie is is so freaking good. It's it's not even funny. This kid is so legit. The bullpen is back. I, I mean, if the Yankees have to play the guard or no, it won't be us cuz the Guardians are going to win this AL Central by the way. The Twins and the White Sox gave up. They gave up.
1: Yeah. Welcome uh, by the way.
2: LJ said, "Watch out for Toronto tomorrow." Watch out for where I put Cleveland on my rankings. I had them nine last week, so no promises that I'm going to move them crazy, but they are for sure something tragic would have to happen for them to fall out of my top 10, like something crazy.
1: Welcome to the club, Brandon. We're glad to have you. Karashek, I think this is mostly, you know, not only is it him following through on his potential, but this is a a matter of role, and you can't blame anyone for this. It's just, just the way it is. I don't think this guy's cut out to be a closer. I really don't. What he does best is going out there and dominating batters, not worrying about being in the high leverage situation, having to face everybody. He's just going to go out there and perform. And for, for me, the way I read this now, I read these numbers is he struggled with the whole closer battle to start last year between him and class A where, You know, they were using both a little bit. They were trying to figure out who was really going to step up and become that guy. And A clearly won. He clearly could handle that more. But that doesn't take away Karishak's value. It just put him now back into a role where he's really comfortable and he's really able to perform. Honestly, that setup role where he's going to be able to just go out and be himself, it's perfect absolutely and
2: I'm pulling up his stat cast page right now um, oh okay so he doesn't qu- qualify for any of the expected stats it looks like but um expected batting average of 157 I think that's pretty good LJ um expected Woba 242 which Okay, yeah. He's been he's been uh, unbelievable. And this is a two-pitch guy. Fastball, curveball. He throws them both at 50% of the time pretty much. Two pitches, that's all. Fastball and curveball. Filthy.
1: Um one more thing before we wrap up and then you can close things off here. Uh you were talking about major news happening every time you went to college. I did a little digging. Your move-in day, freshman year, was the day Mike Trout's rookie card broke the a Hon- Swagner record?
2: Would that be August 17th? 20th? August 17th. That's the day I moved in um, freshman year. We moved in a, like a week early.
1: So you're telling me the Syracuse academic calendar is lying to me when it says opening weekend new undergraduate registration starts August 22nd?
2: They were not lying to you. However, they let the freshmen move in earlier because of- Oh, it's even
1: earlier than that. Okay, let me pull that up then. I'm almost there. Just got to scroll down. They don't have- No news was broken on that day since 2014. Or at least anything notable. Hasn't happened since 2014.
2: What what site is that where you can see- Oh, it's my
1: favorite, nationalpastime.com.
2: Nationalpastime.com.
1: And gives you every day in baseball history ever.
2: Nice.
1: Well, wait, hold
2: on. I'm going to do one last check cuz I remember one of the days I remember like one of my second or third day um at school for one of the semesters was when Tatis um signed his extension. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> awesome site. All right, LJ. I'm good. Thanks for listening, Check us out Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, to MLB Daily Pod. And we'll see you.
0: See you manana. Thank you.